Hello, Hoovians, and welcome back to the uh, podcast. It's our second guest on the podcast since we renamed it to the Blue Box Files. Now, our, our guest today um, is a part of the reason why we changed the name of the podcast, um, which we'll all come into in, in a minute. She's best known for, create, for co-creating the Doctor Who podcast slash audio drama, more audio drama rather than podcast, on BBC Sounds. It's a 10 episode, we'll learn more about it. It's the one and only, Hello Watts. Hello, thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. So we'll, we'll begin with, with the elephant in, in uh, the metaphorical room. Um, the podcast has changed name to the Blue Box Files because, uh, because of Doctor Who Redacted and, and I thought it was a very good name and my <laughs> name is normally rubbish so I thought I'll just nick it. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy that because we called it the Blue Box Files because there was no existing Doctor Who podcast called that and now we're gonna have that problem going forward. Um, you just get you just gonna have to impersonate Cleo like Abby and Shauna like on your show in case people find it. If we ever make more of it people are gonna come and find you and be like ah this isn't the girls. Um, no, it's, it's just me wittering on for, for <laughs> God knows how long. Um, but I'm very good at wittering, it turns out. I've, I've learned that within, within life. Um, I don't know who's listening, but I just witter on. Um, so we'll, we'll um, go down back to the beginning. How did you get into Doctor Who? How did I get into Doctor Who, like, altogether? Yeah, altogether. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, so I moved around the world a lot growing up because my dad was in the military and that meant that when I was eight years old I turned eight on a plane moving to Australia and I lived there for a couple of years uh and I wasn't able to come back to the UK to see my family uh or any of my friends in the UK uh until I was uh 10 going on 11 and it just so happened that the year that I moved back to the UK was the same year that Russell T Davies revived Doctor Who and so for me um in a lot of ways Doctor Who like meant coming home it meant like being back in England and being able to see my family again and being able to see my friends um and being in a place that had rain and uh yeah like me and my brother just got really really into it we would always watch it together um we absolutely loved it um and then eventually like our parents also got into it so you know we would always watch the christmas specials and stuff together on christmas day um and that was kind of the start i think was uh, was getting into russell t davies revival of uh doctor who uh, the year that it came back now you mentioned there that you had a birthday on an airplane how does that work because in <laughs> time zone i was thinking time zone that oh it was incredible because because I was in three different time zones because I started on a plane from the UK then we went to Singapore and then we went from Singapore to Australia I actually had three different birthday cakes which for eight-year-old Ella was just the best thing like I think all of the like kind of flight attendants felt bad that this like eight-year-old little girl was having her birthday on an airplane instead of you know like having a party or anything from my perspective they just kept giving me birthday cakes <laughs> it was great like everyone seemed to want to give me a cake um so so yeah, I, I technically had three different birthdays, three different time zones. Wow. <laughs> wow, you would have been fed up with cake by the end of it. Oh, you say that, but I think you're underestimating how much cake I can eat. <laughs> <laughs> so so then how did 
from watching Doctor, how did it come about to end up working with or on Doctor in Venom? Which 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 words best suit the sentence? Oh gosh, um, I mean, kind of a long journey. So I I was obsessed with Doctor Who from the age of like 10, 11. Um, and I wrote fan fiction for Doctor Who. I, I've written over 200,000 words of Doctor Who fan fiction. Um, and uh, the first ever fan art that anyone did of my writing was for one of my Doctor Who fan fictions. Um, and then I kind of over time, um, I, I loved a lot of the spin-off stuff as well. I loved the Sarah Jane adventures so much. Um, I also really loved Torchwood when I got older. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just kind of like obsessively remained into Doctor Who. I also got into the Doctor Who novels. Um, I've mentioned before that one my favorite Doctor Who spin-off novel is The Infinity Doctors, um, which I now know the man who wrote it because he heard me talking about that on a podcast. And he like reached out to me and was like, wow, I didn't realize you'd read my novel. I was like, what? I got this from my school library. How how have you heard that? What anyway? Um, and uh, then then it kind of I never kind of set out to specifically work on Doctor Who. I wanted to work in radio, um, and in order to work on radio, I got a master's degree in radio. Um, I worked for a community radio station for an LGBT radio show called Shout Out, which is the biggest LGBT radio show in the southwest of England. And uh, I did like lots of bits and pieces, mostly community radio. Then my master's degree in radio, and eventually, I ended up getting a job as an audio producer is a podcast producer at BBC Studios, which is a production company uh, affiliated with the BBC, but not part of the BBC. Uh, so uh, I, the audio team there is quite interesting. Doctor Who fans probably know about BBC Studios because it's the company that is responsible for Doctor Who, but like it's also got this really cool history of uh, radio comedy. So my audio team at BBC Studios used to be in-house at the BBC and was the light entertainment department. We were the people who made Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and the Mighty Boosh. And then we kind of like ended up going into BBC Studios, becoming the audio team there. But it's really cool to get to work with such a like an incredible team with such a, like an incredible heritage of like making comedy and making comedy drama. Um, and uh, yeah, I worked there for just about three years. Um, and in that time, I mostly worked on a mixture of radio programs and podcasts, some of which are like still in development. Um, and uh, the Doctor Who podcast redacted in particular had like a very, very long development period for about three years. Uh, but I remember saying to someone at BBC Sounds, who I worked with briefly where I was working there as a consultant in their commissioning team, that if he could let me pitch a Doctor Who podcast, I would I would consider all debts between us repaid. I, I would so like I was like you know you do this one thing for me and that is that is the one thing that you can do for me. It was like if there was one thing like that, that you would want, I was like I would I would love to pitch a Doctor Who podcast. And so when the Doctor Who brand were looking for someone to make a podcast, he invited me to that meeting with a couple of other people who were pitching to kind of pitch ideas. Uh, and I wasn't actually told that it, this was the Doctor Who podcast meeting before I got into the room. And then as everyone's doing their introductions and explaining what the meeting is, they're like, yeah, so this is the meeting where we decide what the Doctor Who podcast is going to be. And I'm like, what? Um, and I'm just kind of quietly making notes in my notebook of just like ideas that I'm having about like what this podcast could be. And I pitched Redacted, uh, which back then I just pitched as BuzzFeed Unsolved, but Doctor Who. Um, and, uh, and they really liked that. And then I developed that and, and that kind of took us to where we are today. Uh, and and you had mentioned there that you'd watched uh, Sarah Jane Adventures and yes. Torchwood. Um, 
I've I've never met anyone that has, but but let let's see let's see if you have because it was a weird. Have you ever seen the CBC version of Torchwood? Because there was an episode that was turned child friendly because when it when CBC ended, it moved to BBC Three, and they accidentally not moved the logo over, and so they had accidentally had uh, a Torchwood episode, but then they had to make it more child friendly, and I've never known anyone to have ever seen it so well so so you're saying that and I'm thinking about it and like I did watch a lot of CBBC growing up like I watched a lot and I'm like it might be that thing where you know when someone says don't think of an elephant you immediately think of an elephant it might be because you said it now I I think but I actually think I might have because I think that that's how I found out what Torchwood was because I remember watching CBBC and I remember seeing a Doctor Who thing that that I think I think that was the I think I think maybe I did because I don't think because I because my parents would never have let me watch Torchwood like ever 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 but like I remember seeing an episode of Torchwood and, and I think it was on CBBC yeah like it was the episode where where they had the where they had that bloke that wasn't dead but was dead he was just yes out. it was that one. Oh my god <laughs> I can't believe they played Torchwood on CBBC that's ridiculous yeah but they had to apologise, so they had to just cut it down to make it a special child, ch- child-friendly version once he realised they made that mistake and kids had actually seen it already. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. Like, that was, like, a buried memory that I don't think I'd really remember. Like, but, yeah. No, I think it must have been because I remember, I remember that happening and I remember, yeah, like, we, we, there was, like, a room that my brother and I would watch TV in and I remember being in there. And yeah, I mean, we only watched CBBC in there, but I did see an episode of Torchwood because I remember Captain Jack. Anyway, sorry, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Torchwood and very good, and and all spin-offs are always really good. Uh, Big Finish do a lot of them, um, so so they they are really good. But um, what would you call Doctor Redact? Would you call it a podcast or would you call it an audio drama? Because the I mean- lines blur a little bit. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it is a podcast. So audio drama podcasts have existed since about 2008. Uh, a podcast, by definition, just means audio that you can acquire on demand. It doesn't mean non-fiction audio in the same way that we call books that are fictional books and books that are non-fictional <laughs> books. Um, you know, like it's a podcast. Um, it is a podcast that is dramatic. So it is a fiction podcast rather than a non-fiction podcast, but it's a podcast. It's 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 online audio that is available on demand you know like you can access on your smartphone devices it's not yet on an rss feed but um depending on when this is coming out when when is this gonna come out um today oh right okay um well watch the socials that may or may not change quite soon um and once it has an rss feed it's a podcast by every definition of a podcast uh but yeah i saw this confusion and i found it kind of funny because i um in in my free time i'm a an audio fiction expert. I, I'm uh, an expert, a researcher, a consultant, writer, advocate for like audio drama and audio fiction. And things like Welcome to Night Vale have been drawing in hundreds of millions of listeners and playing the Sydney Opera House since 2012. And it's very much a drama that is a podcast. Um, and I was I was actually surprised that there were so many people who, who got confused about that. But yeah, like podcast is a reference to a medium, not a genre. Yeah. Um, 
well, when it first got announced, you you could sense when you when you saw it being announced, and all the Doctor YouTubers being included, we all got in, if I if I when you're in a line, but it was in a message <laughs> on YouTube, so it's not really a line. But the, you could just sense that everyone was so confused at the word podcast when it's got described as an audio drama, <laughs> and I think that's that's the most confusion we've ever had within Doctor in the mm -hmm. in the last in the recent in in my recollection. Which which I do, yeah, I just find very funny. There are even Doctor Who fan audio drama podcasts. Like these these exist. Like um, but uh yeah, like I I, I can see how if, if you're approaching it from the perspective of Doctor Who, you're maybe most accustomed to audio dramas on Big Finish, which are very much not podcasts because they are like purchasable, they're paywall, they're not freely available. And so I can see how like over time you'd get into the habit of thinking audio drama is big finish and podcast is the free to listen non-fiction chat podcast and and then you kind of fall into the trap of thinking it's a genre but yeah no in the same way that like a documentary tv show is still a tv show and a soap opera or comedy is still a tv show like a, a podcast is a podcast is a podcast um <laughs> a, a soap opera could also be someone singing in the show with soap um, <laughs> I, I think it's less that and more that like would you say that if you watch something on a television that has been broadcast on a television network it's not television because it's fiction well, you, you would you would call all forms of tv tv no matter how yeah. nonsense it is yeah that's exactly every, <laughs> every e4 reality program or, or <laughs> weird weird people um but yeah it's it, it's amazing but the um bbc sounds uh, as 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 I found recently, they've been airing it on Radio Four Extra. Yes. Now, when you first discovered that it was airing on Radio Four Extra, how did that make you feel? Oh, I like incredibly excited. I mean, technically now I can say that I have produced a radio drama, which I couldn't say before because my podcast was a podcast, not on the radio. Um, and so that it's, it's, it's really cool and such an honor. And, and we were also lucky to get such a good slot. Like we were on at 6 p.m., which is a very good slot on any radio station. Um, like I kind of expected that if we did get a radio broadcast, which had been sort of discussed but not confirmed, that it would be put on at like 10 p.m. or midnight, you know, like because it's a sci-fi, it's a queer sci-fi drama. Like I was like, um, I, I couldn't, I yeah, I was, I was really surprised and really happy to see Radio 4 Extra give us such a big prime time kind of weekday 6 p.m. slot. Um, and it's, it's a huge honor for me as a producer to get something broadcast on radio in that way like radio 4 extra still does meet reach uh millions of people and it's amazing to to know that redacted kind of got that audience and that kind of in inverted covers kind of like uh, i guess like i don't know like traditional radio audience um it was really nice to see it uh given that that broadcast and and I hope that it reached people who might not otherwise have listened to it I hope that there were people who were listening to it who might not have sought it out if they'd seen like it's a Doctor Who drama or it's a queer drama or it's a feminist drama um and maybe there were some people who were just listening to the radio who happened across something that they might not have listened to otherwise um yeah. and when, when I discovered because I, I discovered it that it was on Radio 4 Extra my first immediate thoughts because I was looking this is a weird way to discover that it was on Radio 4 Extra I was skipping through the sky i was on sky q <laughs> and i i had a meet i just wanted to i was going out and i weren't going to be around at the weekend so i wanted to know my dad as much as possible to record it as much radio as possible just to annoy him when he looks at the planner and saw all this radio <laughs> uh, and and so what i did is i immediately chugged it on twitter to let everyone know that they can re-listen to it and it i think 
Doctor Who redacted. We'll get on to um, how amazing it is uh, in a moment. But I think it is one of, one of the best things on um, BBC Sounds because even though the comedy is amazing and, and, and all of that, but there's not many dramas that um, are actually that amazing, not, not being horrible to the BBC, but there's not many that makes me want to listen to every episode. But Doctor Redacted made me want to listen to every episode, not not weekly, because I lost track of that. Mm-hmm. And I, once they're there, once they're in your palm of your hand, you can just listen to, listen to them. But um, what are the other most popular audio drama podcast things, going back to that, was uh, the Beef and Dairy Network. Yes. That's another one. That's that's another one that, like, like you can, don't know whether it's real or not. And, and so, like, the genre itself is getting bigger and adding Doctor Who into it, more people are going to come past it and, and it's going to skyrocket in views. But what, what I really want to know, because I heard somewhere someone mentioned that you were you were hoping to get Donna Noble into it. Um, yeah, yeah. But how does, does that made me think, and I've not heard anyone ever ask this, but how does the la- character licensing work with, within um so uh i don't know how much of this is public but i think that this is fair to share so i i I, like doctor who historically has always been that the person who creates the character or monster or whatever owns that character or monster and uh that's partly legal and there's a lot of legal stuff that is very private and that i am certainly not at liberty to disclose and frankly have not seen the contracts and wouldn't want to speculate but it's also courtesy and professional courtesy so if someone creates a character so for example Russell C Davies creates the character of Donna Noble then you want to check in with him if you're going to do anything with that character just to make sure that he's happy with like what you're doing with that character um so for example in Redacted we had to cast an older actress to play Madame Bastra because Neve McIntosh who plays her in the tv show wasn't available at all during our recording and so she said no and so we contacted Neve who created the character in performing her and Stephen Moffat who created the character in writing her and was like would you guys be okay with us creating like an older version of Vastra for Redacted where we cast an older actress so Neve will still play Vastra when she's like in the 1800s where she normally is in the tv show uh but will kind of create this new version of her that's like a hundred and uh, you know about 150 years older um and and is maybe bringing a slightly different perspective uh so like partly it's just courtesy um there probably is some legal stuff involved but I don't know what the details of that are but generally speaking in a media law uh, perspective like it's normally that if someone creates a character depending on the terms of their contract they will have some ownership of that in a brand like Doctor Who you often kind of surrender ownership of that to the brand um, because they are obviously gonna Doctor Who will go on much longer than you might be working um, but uh, it really depends so historically a lot of the reason that a lot of the historical monsters and characters from Doctor Who don't come back very often is because the contracts were different and the people who performed those monsters and, 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 and put a lot of work into creating all different pieces of them have much 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 more ownership of them than people do in tv shows today and for that reason it's really really hard to like ever use them so for example uh we really used wanted to use k9 but we couldn't because it was just too expensive because of all of the kind of conflicting contractual obligations um but uh yeah like in, in more recent years it depends on the individual it depends on the creature it depends on the character depends on the legal contract but as a professional courtesy you generally have to check in with someone and with donna specifically i mean we later found out that like 
part of this was because Russell had plans for her in the TV show. Um, and so he asked us not to use her um, because uh, he wanted to do something with her. Um, and uh, obviously in terms of the relationship between the main show of Doctor Who and like spin-offs, the main show always has to take precedence. Yeah. So we couldn't be like, we're gonna use Donna in one episode of this and therefore you don't get her in the special. Like that would be ridiculous. Like if, if, if Russell wants her in the special, she's in the special and we find another way to do it in the podcast. Yeah. Um, what, what, what Russell wants, Russell gets. Uh, we, don't, <laughs> we, don't, we don't argue with, with the uh, main man. We don't argue with him. But you, you were saying there how you wanted to get K9 in. Now, I think K9 would have been harder to get in, seen as in the vote that did the voice for whatever years that he did it for, is sadly no longer with us. So it'd be, it'd be harder to try and get K9 in it because you'd then have to find someone that was had a similar set of vocals. Yeah, so I mean, I. I don't quote me on this because I, I would have to double check. I would be surprised if Big Finish hasn't used someone at some point to voice K9. In fact, I think they have because I think David K. Barnes, who wanted to use K9, I think it was because he's written for Big Finish and he's used him in that. Um, but like normally the Doctor Who brand has a lot of like voices. They, they do the same for the Doctors in Big Finish, right? Like a lot of they have a lot of actors who, for example, will play the 11th Doctor, but it's not Matt Smith. Um, and uh, they have quite a lot of good sound alikes. Um, you're right though, the K9 would have been more difficult actually because of the legacy contract stuff. Um, like the, um, obviously like it's, 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 it's sad not to get the right voice, but on the other hand, like it's also good from my perspective in the media industry to give actors work. Um, and if we find someone else who we feel does a really good voice for K9, great. Um, but, uh, yeah, from a legal perspective, a little bit trickier because K9 is such a legacy character. Yeah, and, and K9 has had a, a rocky uh, history with having the, the Australian um, spin-off that was on Channel 5 and, and Disney XD. I never saw it on Channel 5. Early ever saw it on Disney XD. The, how, how did it like actually like come about the idea? Where did the idea like come from? Where, where was the basis of Redacted? Um, so I mentioned this briefly, uh, it was my idea in a meeting, so Doctor Who, the Doctor Who brand wanted to make something for a part of their audience they felt was being un underserved, specifically women under 30 and working class uh, audiences, um, who they'd noticed been dropping off a little bit, so they felt that, for example, um, Big Finish, like, makes incredible audio but generally speaking its audience is a little bit older um and a little bit more male um and so they were like okay so like how do we get kind of young working class women like interested in Doctor Who but also there are lots of young working class women interested in Doctor Who how do we give them something to reward that like interest essentially Doctor Who does lots of spin-off stuff that is aimed at different audiences to be like you know, thank you for engaging with this brand. Here's a cool thing that's aimed specifically at you. Um, and so this was the idea for the podcast. And so with that in mind, I pitched BuzzFeed Unsolved, but Doctor Who. And the kind of longer pitch was everyone who's on camera in Doctor Who in a Doctor Who adventure is their life is forever changed by Doctor Who, right? And we see a little bit of this in Love and Monsters with Linda. Um, but I really kind of wanted to dig further into that and be like, 
you know, what happens to everyone else at the shopping center when the Santas start shooting people? Yeah. Like what happens to everyone else on the high street when the Christmas star like turns up and is a spaceship and is going wild? Like people are gonna lose relatives. Like people are gonna die. People are gonna be injured. People are gonna like have their lives irrevocably changed. Um, and especially like after kind of some of the Pandorica stuff and some of the things that's happened in the main TV show and the way that the doctor has been trying to go more incognito and like erase kind of popular knowledge of themselves throughout like planet earth you know now you're in a really weird place where you've got people whose lives have been changed forever by the doctor and don't know who the doctor is or what the doctor is and i think that that creates an interesting tension um and i also think that there's a thing that happens a lot in science fiction and fantasy where people fall into the trap in SFF fiction of creating essentially fantastical privilege. So their character is theoretically working class, but also has access to a supercomputer. They are theoretically working class, but they have access to billion dollar satellites and weapons arrays. They are theoretically working class, but secretly they're an alien prince. They are theoretically <laughs> working class, but actually they are a super genius or whatever. Um, and, and what this often means is that it's really alienating for people who come from marginalized communities, for working class people, because for people who actually have to work for a living, actually finishing school wasn't easy and getting your first job wasn't easy and your job isn't a walk in the park and it doesn't feel like you're super special and you're an alien prince and now everyone gives things to you and is constantly nice to you actually you just like work really hard and sometimes you mess up and you fail and it's hard to pay your bills and it sucks and you don't feel like you have superpowers and so when you see that metaphor on tv it can be really alienating to be like well i was related to this character right up until suddenly they had superpowers and they're an alien prince and now I guess like I've never felt like that. And so I wanted to be like, okay, who are the ordinary people in the yeah. world of Doctor Who? Yeah. People who don't secretly have superpowers, people who aren't secretly immortal, people who don't have access to alien technology, like who are just the normal people yeah. who have to pay their bills and whose lives have been changed by the Doctor. Um, and so that was kind of like where Redacted went to was like kind of, I felt really strongly about that. Um, I also felt really strongly about having a trans character in the series, although that I really depended on what writers and what actors we got involved, but I felt that, you know, the Doctor regenerating into a woman was clearly like a very big trans metaphor, but I thought it was a real shame that there hadn't been any main characters who were trans actually on the TV show whilst having this very transgender theme. And so I really wanted us to have a main character who was trans so that trans like audiences who might be relating to the Doctor had a trans character played by a trans actor written by a trans writer, uh, which I felt was the next logical step for the brand. Obviously, Cleo isn't the first trans character in Doctor Who. There's been a couple of amazing trans characters, including most recently in a new series by uh, Big Finish. I think it's Waterworld. Um, but um, but yeah, so like there was that and I wanted to have more queer characters in it because that was one of the things that like I found out what bisexuality was from Captain Jack uh, when I was a kid growing up watching Doctor Who. Uh, I was like, wow, you can kiss boys and girls. Who knew? Uh, and I, I, want, I wanted that in this series. And I kind of felt very strongly that if we couldn't make it queer, if we couldn't make it trans, if we couldn't make it feminist, then it wasn't really worth making because if you want a story about like a straight cisgender man in Doctor Who, 
there are so many stories out there. There are literally hundreds of them. I'm not going to make a better story about straight cisgender white men in Doctor Who than has already been made because there are literally decades of that. Um, but what I can do is maybe make a good story in a space that isn't as saturated about like queer women and about trans people. Um, and uh, yeah, like that, that was kind of what I wanted to do. And so eventually I, um, was taken seriously enough that they decided to give me some money to make a pilot and at that point I needed a writer and so I contacted Juno Dawson and I asked her whether or not she'd be interested and we sat down and we had a coffee and as we're talking about it she started getting really interested and excited about like what this could be and she's the one who came up with like actually like Cleo and Abby and Shauna and she started coming up with kind of the rough idea of the plot and then we had a writer's room with two of our writers Sasha Sienna and Catherine Brinkworth and I hired out a meeting room and for four hours with a whiteboard we just figured out what the plot of redacted would be and kind of roughly who Cleo and Abby and Shauna were and who their families were just writing it down on a whiteboard and kind of adding pieces and rubbing things off and then that was like where the kind of seed of like what would eventually become the drama came from and then three years of development happened but yeah basically yeah uh, and you mentioned that how how about like in the Doctor universe we don't really get to see the regular people who are, are affected by these things and it, and it does make me think I think out of most sci-fi franchises that are, are rather popular a lot I think Doctor is the only one that actually has the monsters and then kills off people because Power, Power Rangers they just kill the characters off and bring them back three seconds later yeah and and so, <laughs> so Doctor Who's more more real whereas Power Rangers is just I, I it's just it's just interesting because you watch an art you watch an Arton kill kill a woman and you watch a similar sort of villain kill this other woman but then she comes back by some magical little powers because they've killed the villain and so and so it, it's interesting because there's there is this whole world where everyone's been affected by this thing and you only find out what's happened to the companion's family and it and it, and it does it works works really well but the question everyone wants. To know will there be more of redacted i don't know i don't know i still don't know um so basically i know that the people at doctor who really like it i know that juno and i would really like to make more of it um and i know that like our cast is really excited about making more of it um at this point it's kind of with bbc sounds yeah. so from bbc sounds perspective they just need the listener figures um and so i was supposed to have a review meeting with them this week actually to talk about like the audience numbers and how we've done but then that got cancelled so i still don't know um it's yeah it, it's really going to depend uh the bbc and bbc sounds in particular is in kind of a difficult place because because they commission podcasts with public money with taxpayer money yeah. they have to have audience figures not so much out of a vanity project thing but more out of if we're going to spend this much of taxpayers money this many taxpayers need to be listening yeah. because otherwise we're not spending their money on what they actually want to listen to um and so BBC Sounds needs that justification, like as, as a public service responsibility, they need to be able to say, no, there actually are enough people to justify us spending, you know, if this percentage of the British taxpaying population listened, then this percentage of our budget can be spent on this. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I know that like, it's obviously had a really amazing response, uh, but I don't know whether we'll get to make more. I know that Doctor Who is really open to it. I have heard that Russell is a really big fan and really likes it, which is really cool. Um, but uh, I I don't know whether we'll make more. I can say we would like to make more, but well, it really depends. If, if BBC Sounds never picks it up, uh, do, you, do you have enough 
le- legal rights to it to make it yourself. <laughs> no, was, I, I was a member of staff at BBC Studios when I made Doctor Who Redacted, which means that BBC Studios owns the IP, like where like I don't own it personally. Um, I think that uh, it's between BBC Studios and Doctor Who. Um, that said, however, and again, like this gets into legal contracts that like, frankly, I just have not, like, I don't have access to, so I cannot tell you like, oh, this is absolutely how it goes. Um, normally what happens when someone commissions a podcast is that the commissioner also owns part of it because the idea is that IP ownership is reflected by the resources you put into it. We wouldn't have made Redacted if BBC Sounds hadn't paid for it. So uh, BBC Sounds do also have a chunk of it. I don't know. I, I think that that probably would be a conversation we would have where like if BBC Sounds were absolutely adamant that they didn't want to make any more, then we might talk to Doctor Who and be like, do you want to make it somewhere else? Uh, but it does go into some difficult territory and I don't know if it'll just end up like lost in legal battles. Um, and I don't think that anyone would really want to have a legal battle because, you know, BBC studios doctor who and bbc sounds all work quite closely together um and so uh yeah it's really big question mark we want to make more but i don't know and and with the doctor who podcast not uh, as in more of the in, in its official capacity people be- before redacting was announced before it all happened we're really angry because the, the bbc did uh obsess with and each show that came out they, they did a selection of podcast for we never did it for doctor who and and we, and and obviously flux was popular again um and it could have worked uh, with an obsessed with but then then this got announced and then that made the fans calm down and be happy <laughs> but for for fans that do not, not only like doctor who and not only spend money on doctor who such as collectors. I'll, yeah, I'll, I, I enjoy this. <laughs> I will that way. Will Redacted ever become available on CD? It's again an open question mark. Um, I I would really like that because honestly, I would like to own the Redacted CD. That would be very cool for me. Um, but uh, that decision, I think, is more with BBC Studios and Doctor Who. But I think it depends a little bit on. Um, on kind of BBC Sounds' decision. So normally what happens with BBC material is that when it's taken off iPlayer or off Sounds, then it gets um, transferred to uh, to Audible. Yeah. And I think to Penguin Random House, at which point like it is released at like, like that. And then sometimes it's released in physical copies. Um, but because Redacted is a podcast, it is probably gonna be available digitally for quite a long time and so I don't know how that's going to work out like honestly this is getting into areas of like legal and merchandising stuff that I I know nothing about I don't know is the short answer I I really really hope that there will be because I think it would be really cool and I think the fact that people are asking for it publicly helps because if BBC Studios or Doctor Who see that and and see that people are asking for it and see that people want it then they can kind of consider justifying the expense of paying for it um i think again it's probably going to be an audience figure thing though um like a cd printing is like expensive um and so they would just need to know that enough people would buy it to justify the expense of printing it um but uh yeah like i mean if you want it like do contact like do the there are feedback forms for bbc sounds like you can get in touch with dr who like write to them and say like we would like this thing um that is like honestly one of the best ways to try and get them to do it yeah 
because I, I feel like if they're willing to spend the money, and th this isn't saying anything bad about it, uh, what I'm about to say, but it is, yeah. it is sort of makes sense. So if the BBC are willing to spend money on publishing CDs of an audio drama about Bessie, <laughs> which, which I bought, but it, it's a weird thing to, to, to have in it. <laughs> it's like, I, from what I've read, I'm not listening to it, from what I've seen, it's like Brum, but with Bessie, uh, <laughs> but with a voiceover to it, to make sense. So if they're willing to spend money on that, they surely should be able to spend money on this. They just need to get on with it. We, I, I hope so. I hope so. I would love to own, own some uh, redacted merchandise. I've got a redacted t-shirt and redacted print, which was made by Joe Whitby, uh, which I really love, but those are fan creations. I would love it if, if there was some official Doctor Who merch, but we shall see. And with um, Doctor Redacted being this in this now in the universe, in the uh, Doctor Who universe, and because we've got um, the 60th and all that, with, with fan art uh, of drawing of in their interpretation of how the characters look, if there was, if the BBC either said, we'll turn the podcast into a TV series, or they were shoving them in the 60th or, or in the future, who would you cast as the set of characters? I mean, I honestly would cast Charlie and Holly and Lois because like Holly and Lois are TV actors already. Um, they're very good TV actors. Um, and uh, Charlie, I think is fantastic. And I can't imagine anyone else being clear. Like I, I honestly would have a really hard time recasting them. I don't think I would. Um, you know, I, I think like the, the nice thing about our cast is that so many of them have TV experience, even kind of our, um, like, you know, other members of the cast, like uh, Jacob Pauly or Dune McKeekin or Alistair Beckett King or Amber Kamod, like they are all TV actors. Um, and I would want to see them reprise their roles in, in any television uh, version of Redacted. Well, um, as you've previously mentioned, and now I'll say it again, because Russell's a fan, and if Russell <laughs> is uh, watching or listening, depending on which format he's, he's uh, required, Get him, get him in the sixtieth. I mean, I mean, <laughs> you might have other plans because you've got you're having meat beat the meep. That, that that's the character that very few people know. Beat the meep, um, uh, and so it would work really well because it it wouldn't have to be a main statement. It just could be a side plot that it could be running throughout the specials. Is that the narrating what's what's going on from there? I mean. I, I think I think for me, so I'll I'll, I'll tell you right now that I, I don't think they're going to be in the 60th um, just because that's that's all been like planned and there's rights things and stuff like that. But I would love to have like a redacted reference at some point in the TV show. I would like obviously absolutely lose my mind. Um, for me, like the way that I would really like that to happen, at least in the first instance, is I just want someone to be listening to redacted like in universe. <laughs> I really want like, you know, if Yasmin Finney turns out to be a recurring character, I want like her in her bedroom on her smartphone, like listening to Redacted, and, like being like, oh, that's like a weird podcast. And like, I just, I just want to hear their voices of like a little clip of the Blue Box Files. Um, I just, I just want to hear, um, yeah, I, I just, I just want that to be the thing. I want there to be a character in Doctor Who, the TV show, who's listening to the Blue Box Files, who's listening to Abby and Shauna and Cleo, 
um because I think that that would be the best uh and yeah and like maybe like at some point like have like Holly and Lois like on a date just in the background of a cafe like just you know like just like as Abby and Shauna just like quietly you don't even notice but if you know you know um and uh yeah stuff like that I would really really love to see um but or you you could have it where like the the doctors and the TARDIS and, and 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 they had it on previously it was just in the background so you could just see the logo and, and, it, and, and you could just tell yeah the doctor has like a, a, a blue box file sticker like somewhere on the TARDIS console yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. see these are the things that I want um but yeah we'll see yeah. It, it should definitely be mentioned because because we had we had Jodie confirmed that that the doctor's a, a fan of the podcast now Jodie Whittaker this is her first foyer into the world of Doctor Who after she's announced that she's a goner from the TV series, which is obviously quite sad because that means that um that, that we'll have to wait a while for more episodes of Doctor Who. Uh well what was it like working with the the Doctor? Oh my god. Oh my god. Like absolutely mind blowing. First of all, Jodie is just an incredible 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 performer like I I had been directing a lot of people during the two weeks of Redacted and then and then directed Jodie and like everyone that I worked with in Redacted was amazing but there was something about like Jodie you give her one piece of direction and she just got it like she was just like oh yeah and the amount of times that she would deliver a take and like the hairs on the backs of my arms would stand on end and then she kind of look at me I just I wouldn't be able to speak and she'd be like oh was that okay and I'm just like I'm just standing there going like yeah yeah that yeah yeah that, that that's 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 fine Jodie like um um, but also she's just such a nice person, like really down to earth, really, really warm. Like there are a lot of uh, performers that I've worked with who like to maintain just a little bit of distance just because like, I think that acting can be very emotionally draining. Um, and so it's just a little bit hard to like also connect to every single person you meet all day, every day. Uh, but Jodie is like such a sweetheart. And we recorded with her when she was heavily pregnant and she's just like laughing and cracking jokes and having such a nice time there was at least one point where we lost some time because we all just got too busy chatting like she's such a nice person um really grounded really down to earth um so like that was amazing just to work with someone who was that lovely and that talented and be able to work with like a performer that good it was very exciting for me as a director um as a Doctor Who fan I wrote Doctor Who fan fiction when I was 14 years old and then I got to write for the Doctor so I wrote quite a few bits on Doctor Who Redacted as well including the kind of teaser trailer where the Doctor's like you know hello can you hear me like I'm out there like if you're listening something bad is happening kind of thing um I wrote that script and then I got to write for the Doctor to have the current Doctor performing as the Doctor, my lines, who I was directing as the Doctor. And it was just this wild moment of like, I'd written fan fiction in the Doctor's voice. And now I was writing the actual Doctor for Doctor Who and being able to like be, you know, and and I, I mentioned this on Twitter, but stuff like being able to have her reference kind of my era as a Doctor Who, because obviously I got on, like I said, like when Russell revived it, so with Christopher Eccleston and, so for me, like kind of like all of the, a lot of the characters that we reference in, in Redacted, like especially a lot of the Russell's era stuff is, is like, that was my childhood era. Um, and being able to have her like put a bit of emotion into when she's talking about the Powell estate because she's remembering all the people she knew here or put a bit of emotion in when she's talking about Rose, like was amazing. Like it's me getting to tell the doctor to be like, yeah, I think you care about Rose. I think you care about the Powell estate. I think you you still feel sad. You still miss them. 
um it was just really special um and then and then also afterwards uh we had like a little mini photo shoot with charlie and juno and part of the reason that i got juno on redacted was because i'd read her book the good doctor which was technically the first piece of fiction that had the 13th doctor in it um and uh i got juno and jody to sign my copy of the good doctor i think it might be the only copy in the world right now that is signed by both jody and juno um and uh that was really exciting to be able to kind of say to them both like i'd read this book even before the 13th doctor was on screen um and uh Charlie got a video of, of them signing that for me and that was really exciting just as a fan. Wow that's like every fan's dream I think. I think the, I think the only other person that has got that, uh, that close to being with the Doctor um, in, in, in every sense of the word close uh, is Georgia Tennant because yeah. uh, <laughs> she, she, she's, she's the, probably the only person within the Doctor universe that is so close to the doctor, she can she can just reach her arm out. And the yeah. doctor be there as 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 a father's the doctor and her husband is also the doctor. Um, I also found out a really interesting fact. I don't know why I've got a pencil in my hand. Uh, found an interesting fact that David Tennant's last name is now Tennant. He legally got it changed. Oh. Actually, so he's actually now David Tennant instead of David McDonald, which is what he was previously, and then. Yeah. He, but now he's officially David Tennant because he illegally changed it, even though he's act. Because there is already a David McDonald out there as a as an actor. I've, ne I've never seen any of any of his work, but he's uh, apparently out there. That's why David Tennant had to change his name. And and so, what was it like working with Juno Dawson? Juno is amazing. Juno is like first of all just like consummate professional like she oh my goodness i told you we had a three-year development period judo went through the ringer a bit on redacted we made her do like eight rewrites because over the course of the time that we were developing redacted we went from being in chris chibnall's era to being just about to start russell c davies era and so we had two different showrunners to like consider when we were making stuff that was going to be like in the canon timeline um because redacted is kind of set in the present of where the tv show is it's not kind of in the past or to the side in the way that the big finish stuff is um and so we had to make sure that it didn't contradict anything happening in either flux or in like the 60th um and that like was a lot there was a lot of rewriting there was a lot of rewriting um and so first of all juno just had to do a lot of big changes um but she was just always just a just so gracious about it but b just very warm and funny she attended pretty much all of our recording uh juno like this show wouldn't exist without juno dawson yeah. um and she is she's got such a sense of humor she also is a classic who fan like she grew up with classic yeah. who and so she loves like new who and doctor who is one of her favorite things in the whole world but when there are redacted references to kind of older who that's juno and that's juno's yeah. voice kind of coming in and wanting to make sure we've got the classic who stuff in there as well um and so juno is just like her doctor who knowledge is incredible it's ridiculous like i talk to her and i feel like i don't know anything about doctor who because like the stuff that she knows about doctor who is ridiculous uh but yeah she was just lovely and when we recorded with jody actually um because of just uh space requirements timings things like that uh we couldn't record jody and charlie together so we actually recorded them separately and then cut them together yeah. but we had juno reading in for 
Charlie and so Juno's like reading in against the doctor and I think Juno fangirled a little bit about that like afterwards she came up to me and she was like oh my goodness I just like played against Jodie Whittaker for like two hours um and uh yeah I mean she's just a delight like Juno is I like honestly she her scripts have always been incredible and I think like we had that feedback from the very first pilot that we did where the, the the best feedback I think we got back in 2019 was this is the most Russell T Davies thing we've heard since Russell T Davies and I like we both took that as a huge compliment and BBC Sounds loved the drama because it felt like actually relatable to young people and funny and kind of like quick and pacey yeah. and Judo just like has this understanding of characters and real people she's very good at writing real people's voices and making characters feel like human beings um and yeah I mean I'm just I'm just I'm just the biggest fan I love Juno I'm really excited about Her Majesty's Royal Coven which I am impatiently waiting to release in the UK I pre-ordered it a long time ago and I got to re read a couple of the first chapters uh thanks to some production work I was doing um but yeah I, I, just, I think everything Juno does is very good and I think like uh her Doctor Who especially is very good and I am determined uh to to see her write for the TV show I personally think that she would be an amazing showrunner one day but that's just me um yeah so so my this next question is going to be a challenge um because um from my knowledge I, I don't know if there's if the if there's ever been an answer but what would the theme tune be for the Blue Box Files podcast, if there was one. I mean, I it would probably be something by Kevin McLeod, because like the whole the whole premise of the Blue Box Files is that it's like this terrible podcast that doesn't have many listeners that isn't very well made which is why it has this silly jingle of like Shauna kind of going blue box um and then you've got like that voice going files uh which is a friend of mine called Johnny Sims who was also the main character and creator of the Magnus Archives which is another big drama podcast um and then and then you know I've got the Wilhelm scream in there I've got a little bit of a dun 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 I've, I think I've got some lightning in I had so much fun I made an entire batch of bad jingles for the blue box uh files and i'm really sad that we only <laughs> kept one uh we had one that was shauna uh going old mcdonald had it and then it comes in with big farmer and then there's just a cow <laughs> mooing <laughs> um and i mean i had fun but i was told that i was going too far as a producer i was like all right um but then james came to me james who's the executive producer um just before we needed the blue box files taken he was like ella I need you to make a terrible jingle. And I was like, James, my time has come. <laughs> um, and that's where we get that from. But, um, but you know, the girls like, they're making an amateur podcast for no money in their free time. They don't have very good production values. Like Ronnie says, they don't, they need better microphones. Like I think that they would use library music. And as we all know, Kevin McLeod is the Atlas holding up the entire of podcasting and YouTube with royalty free music. So I think that they would probably pick like a Kevin McLeod song and go with that. Uh, they would probably want something like a little, um, little R&B maybe a little drum and bassy kind of something that feels like a bit modern I don't I don't think that they're going for anything too orchestral um they probably want like uh yeah something fun something quick maybe something poppy depending on how much influence Cleo had on the conversation I think it would be between Cleo and Shauna with Shauna wanting a bit more drum and bass and Cleo probably wanting something like very kind of like top of the pops kind of yeah. thing um but uh and, and then Abby would want something X-Files-y um but yeah, like they would they would pick a Kevin McLeod royalty free 
you know, little bit of music that has probably been used on thousands of real world podcasts and YouTube channels and, you know, indie video games. Uh, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get Murray Gold. No, no, <laughs> they, like they, they, they're indie podcasters. <laughs> like they don't have money. They're not hiring a composer. Um, no, no. And, and speaking of podcasters that don't have great audio, uh, it's my time to moan for a second. So Apple, uh, as usual, never fix problems that occur and you message you you, you go on their support and then they just whitter on at you but i don't know why they just whitter on so uh if, if apple are uh, watching listening or or uh, or can hear me in the world because um, <laughs> i'll be connected to, to some part technology fix it so i can get my microphone working thank you very much uh that's the uh, daily dose of moaning at apple um yeah uh, and so with the, um, the the Doctor Redacted being so popular, what would be if the BBC said this is fine as it is? We want you to make a sequel series to it. What which character would you take forward for a sequel series? I mean, like ideally, all three of them. Um, I think that, like, I mean, I love Cleo. I love Cleo so much. Um, but you know we need to check in on people's yeah. availabilities we need to make sure if people were free i think i would like to personally kind of um so way back when we were talking about redacted the the original plan was that shauna cleo and abby were each the protagonists each episode so it kind of rotated so cleo's protagonist one episode and then the next episode it's focused on abby and the next episode it focuses on shauna um and i think i would like to dig a bit more into abby and shauna and learn a bit more about them like i think it would be quite cool if like we kind of rotate the cast of it so like cleo's still there but like this time we kind of focus on shauna's story or abby's story and we kind of give them something to do um and i think we, we always like the idea that like abby is kind of the classic like hero of a sci-fi adventure like in a lot of ways like as a character like she's the ambitious one she's really good at researching she's determined she wants to join unit like there's a reason that osgood like wants her to join unit um and so i think i probably want to know more about shauna like i um i think shauna's got a lot going on that we weren't able to include because we can only include so much in 10 episodes um but yeah like i i would i would love to kind of see more of what's going on with her and kind of see a bit more of her life and see and see like what um see how things work out with abby uh spoilers if you haven't listened to the whole series but you know um yeah i'd, I'd, I'd love to dig a bit more into shauna and abby um that said though like i could honestly i could just make a hundred series about cleo <laughs> like i'm not i'm not the writer so but like i i just love her i just love her so much she's such a wonderful character um but as as I say, like if we got to make more, it would go down to availabilities and it would go down to who's free and like when can we do it and blah blah. Uh, but all all three of them, I would love to see. I'd love to see Abby and Shauna because I'd love to focus on them in a way that we didn't get to in the first series. I'd love to see Cleo just because I love Cleo. Um, yeah, and and with um with it being it was a weekly thing and um, the the social media account for Doctor Who were heavily involved in promoting fan art. Out of all the fan art that there's been, and, and if anyone doesn't know what fan art means, it's art made by fans. Simple. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I know some modern words. Uh, what's your favourite um, piece of fan art you've seen, if you've got a favourite? 
I mean, it is cruel to make me pick between my darlings. I, I love all of the fan art. I get very excited whenever anyone does fan art. Um, and, and there has been some amazing, amazing fan art. Um, I loved what the artist, uh, like Rosenkrantz, who uses the name Marina Vermilion Online, did. Um, I loved the Rosie G, Rosie Does Art, um, did one that was great. I loved the Joe Whitby one that you can get as a print. And if you want to buy that print, just a quick plug, um, Lois and Holly and Juno chose some um, queer and black charities um, and mental health charities that all the proceeds of that print go to. So if you want to donate to charity, donate to charities chosen by our cast and also have an official Doctor Who redacted print, um, then you can do that. Um, I think that I'm gonna say, because it's the most unusual one, I saw someone had done an animation of um, Cleo meeting the Doctor for the first time. And I think maybe that's my favorite because wow. it's just so cool. Yeah, no, I know. I, like, I, was, I was looking at it, I was like, oh my God, this is so much work. Um, so someone did a kind of clip of that time when like, again, spoilers, episode 10, when uh, the TARDIS arrives and Cleo kind of comes up with the baseball bat and it's really cool. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe that one is my favorite at the moment. Um, but uh, honestly, all of the fan art, like I just feel so lucky that we've got fan art. A friend of mine who's a producer who worked with me for a bit at BBC Studios texted me when Redacted came out and he was like, I remember you saying that like the one thing you wanted is if you ever made something that people made fan art for, then you would feel like you'd made it as a producer. And I was like, and that is like, that is the thing I said, this thing I believe. And so being able to see like multiple pieces of fan art and people getting into cosplay and like lip syncing to bits of the audio. Like I've seen some amazing cosplayers being Jodie and kind of like doing um, scenes from Redacted. Like I, I love, I just, I love all of it. And I always try to, you know, I share it. I share it on Instagram, I share it on Twitter. Um, like tag me if you make fan art please I'm always very excited and I always like uh, text the team and let them know um, as well and everyone kind of gets like very excited about it I think Lois also especially like will normally be found commenting on Instagram posts being excited uh, but yeah like um, all of it but may maybe maybe the animation just because it's unusual yeah, um, yeah. and and with, with um, recent years uh, as of this year um, someone had made uh, one of the Big Finish audio into an animation, so I I know that the the people are, are willing to do it. And if if you ever if you're ever allowed to turn it into animation rather than into live action, because then you could just use the audio. What what style of animation would you would you go for with it? Oh my god, I'd want it to be kind of Owl House She-Ra. I'd want it to be like a 2D animation, lots of like bright colors, like hypersaturation, lots of fun, lots of humor, lots of comedy. Um, I'd like to there to be like kind of lots of comedy background stuff, but you know, the, the kinds of animations I like are like Owl House She-Ra, Kipo, that kind of um animation, that lovely 2D uh kind. Yeah, and for for people that want to uh dress up as the characters for um conventions would you ever would you ever re release like a concept art of what costume they would wear so people knew knew where to begin with dressing up i mean we probably can't do a concept because we we don't have that and we did like we we have spent our budget like that's it i i have no more money i like it would mean me as an individual um spending money and I unfortunately do not have that money um but uh but please please cosplay and if you want to know what they look like like just just at me like tweet at me instagram at me 
at like Charlie, at Holly, at Lois, if you want to cosplay as the other characters, like I'm sure that Alistair Beckett King would be very excited if someone wanted to do the floater, like tweet at him. He's really excited to be in Doctor Who. Um, tweet at Jacob Hawley. He loved being Jordan. Um, I'm sure he will give you his opinions. Um, and, and if you do, like I am going to go to MCM Comic Con in London this October, just, just as a, just as a guest, but I will be wearing my Doctor Who redacted t-shirt. So like, come find me. I will be very excited to meet you. If you, if you, if you want to go to Comic-Con and talk about redacted, I'll be there. Um, so say hi. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's Alex Beckett King. When, when I heard his name in the, he's because, he's because he's, he's got, he's got like a, a unique voice to him. It's, it's, that's the only time I've ever not spotted him in it because it was my. It, it must have been just me, me paying too much attention to it and not paying attention to the fact that he was in it and that he's mentioned several times on many different things that he's in it. It and, and I didn't realize he was in it until then they mentioned it because he is. He's everywhere at the moment. He's becoming one of those people that um, start unnoticed but then get bigger and bigger and bigger and then skyrocket because he, he he has his own podcasts. And and he was and he's been on Mock the Week, so he's like becoming this well-known person. And he is because he does YouTube sketches. He does seem like the perfect person to be in Doctor Who, and he was and is the best person being Doctor Who. Now we just see him in the TV series, and then these that we've completed the quest to make him more famous than he than he's meant to be. No, no, I, I, I really agree. I think Alistair is fantastic. And you know what, like Alistair had to do jury duty during the recording for Redacted. So he recorded all of his parts from home for us. And he was like emailing me at like 8, 9pm being like, hi, is this okay? Do you want me to do something different? Like he was so generous with his time. Um, he's just a really amazing person. He was just very excited to do Doctor Who. Like I, I thought he might be because one of his YouTube skits is the Doctor Who one. And I kind of got in touch with him. I was like, Alistair, I'd really like you to come in and be these silly characters, but also like, just do you want to do a Doctor Who thing and it was like yes um and yeah like I mean he loves Doctor Who so I'm, I'm desperate for him to get in more Doctor Who stuff I think he's such a good Doctor Who actor if that makes sense oh, um oh. and and he's actually an amazing voice actor as well uh because you, you really can't recognize his voice he is actually plays the police officer in episode eight when Cleo and Shauna are on the council estate yeah no no one no one noticed that but he does he, he does a very good job um and he does such a good job that you can't even tell it's him um and uh it's amazing but then obviously he is also the floater um but yeah Alistair is an incredible voice actor um I desperately want to work with him in more voice acting things just because he's so good um but yeah he's also very funny I, I would love to see Alistair do more things yeah, he, he is funny, and he does. If if he was older and was in Classic Who, he would be the perfect like villain in Classic Who because he's he's got the he's got the the, the mannerism that he has the way to make anything seem more more impressive than it is. Because a lot of Classic Who is is here's a monster that looks really weird, but we're never going to mention how weird the monster looks. But here is a really amazing actor playing this really weird monster, such as a candy man spelt with a K, not a C, which is mm -hmm. even weirder, in my opinion. But if you had to pick a villain to be in a new episode of Redacted that hasn't been in Doctor Who much, um, like from a new Who um, sensibility, because you're more likely to know a new Who monster, who would you uh, try to acquire? Oh, that's such a good question. Oh. So, hmm. 
oh my god sorry you like oh my god I, I just like my brain is going through like a bunch of different oh who would I pick who would I pick who would I pick mm, I would need to think about this more because I, I I think like it's it's really hard to choose I think that the Vashta Narada are really underused yeah. I think the Vashta Narada are really cool the problem is that I can't see how they would work very well in audio because they are such a visual monster um which is kind of why I'm pausing um and then you know something like uh I think it was The Wire which was in the kind of the 1920s episode that possessed the TVs but the problem is that we kind of did that with the redaction so I, I think that would be too much like what's been done before um you really want something that's like in your head. I think maybe, I'm not sure if we ever got a name for it, but the monster from Satan's Pit, um, the, 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 the kind of devil creature, um, something like that, or maybe uh, just, just because I feel like with that, you could do something like quite psychological with it. Like in audio, you could kind of have it in your head. You could have the listener hearing things that none of the characters are hearing. That's just kind of haunting you and getting louder and louder these kind of very spooky whispers kind of thing. Um, or maybe um, something like the clockwork robots that we had in the Marie Antoinette, like yeah. in uh, Girl in the Fireplace. Cause again, they, they're very audio. Like you hear yeah. that ticking and when you ever, you hear that clock ticking, you can start getting a bit nervous and we could kind of play around with that. We could have that, that, you know, you're listening to the girls chatting in a room and then you hear a clock and there wasn't a clock there before. And now you're a little bit worried. Is that a normal clock or is it not? Um, so I think something like that, but, um, but yeah, I would, I would definitely have to give it more thought. Yeah. I, I was, I, the one that I'm thinking of is one for comedy value, which is the absorbable lock. Oh yeah. Oh, well, and also we've got so many connections to love and monsters. Like we do reference Linda in, I want to say episode two, um, but like, yeah, God, yeah. God bless the absorbable lock. Uh, I would say the, the dream Lord and the nightmare man both. Yeah. Really well. Yes. Because they're, they're, you could just have them in, in audio just there, mm -hmm. there. that and, would be really cool yeah yeah and then the other one is those little doll things that went TikTok. oh, oh yeah. TikTok. <laughs> no but you know what we couldn't have them because i'm the producer and i'm scared of dolls <laughs> and i couldn't do i couldn't do that i couldn't do that um oh but yeah yes Oh, it's also good. Ah! Oh, it's been so exciting to talk to you. <laughs> uh, and so to, to round off this wonderful interview, we will round off with uh, an amazing uh, question um, would be what's next for, for, uh, for your career in Doctor Who, if you're allowed to say? Ooh, so... I think I can probably say that I am shadowing some big finish stuff next week, um, which I'm very excited about. And I would very much like to work with big finish. So who knows, maybe, hopefully, maybe I will get to do some big finish things as a producer and director. Um, and, and other than that, I mean, I really hope I get to make more redacted. Um, I, d I don't know. I don't know. Um, I would love to do more, more Doctor Who things. If you're a person listening to this and you do Doctor Who things, I always want to do more Doctor Who. Um, I, a while ago, really wanted to work on a, a Doctor Who YouTube um, series, uh, which uh, I was interested in uh, maybe producing. But as, as far as I know, I don't think that that's going anywhere. So um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah. big finish, um, but we will see. And ideally, I would love to make more Redacted. Like, yeah. I am one of the creators of Redacted, um, and Juno and I 
both really really want to make more of it um but we shall see uh hopefully just enough people listen and enough people tell each other about it and, and i have to say like just quickly like thank you to the doctor who fandom to you for like all of the work that people like you podcasters and youtubers have been doing and like getting the word out there because like it we would not have reached as many people as we had if it wasn't because of fans like yeah. you like literally like not just saying that to be nice it's true and so just thank you very much for all of the work that you've done to like help us get the word out i made one of one of the episodes of this because i wanted to make another episode of this for those because I, I wanted to say I can do stuff on my own. I'm not just getting famous people on board because I'm I'm amazing. I made a, a, a short episode on redacting. I've mentioned redacting several times because because it doesn't get mentioned as much as 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 it should do. So I, I just mention it as uh, as much as possible, whether or not it's relevant to what I'm saying. I just I, I slip it into conversation. But there is there is a lot of Doctor Who fan of short films, fan films, series, this, that, and the other. There is, there is a lot of Doctor Who to go around, but we hope that Redacted gets either picked up for more episodes or more people listen to it, including Doris, who probably listens to BBC Radio 4X, which I I hoped that Redacted would have been on Radio 4 more than Extra, because I thought Extra was solely just for archived episodes of Dad's Army. No, no, Four Extra does a lot of cool stuff actually. Four Extra has quite a big podcast audience too. So they make things like Podcast Radio Hour, which um, is kind of new original content that recommends new podcasts every week. Um, they've got quite a few kind of documentaries and they tend to have like kind of an LGBTQ leaning as well. They make a lot of LGBTQ content, which is really cool. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, Radio 4 would obviously be like bigger again. Um, I, d I don't know if they would, I think we might be too science fiction for them, um, but. Radio 4 is the air in the arches um, <laughs> and and uh, and other panel shows that, that are amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna knock the radio because uh, the, the two, my two, I'll say this before we, before we uh, end this, but my two favorite things on BBC Radio sound at the moment, because the second one changes is one doctor redacted and two the learners on uh, radio Ooh. wales which is uh, about a a welsh learning class where they try and learn welsh but the teacher's rubbish and all the students are rubbish and none of them know how to pronounce anything in welsh I need to listen to this. I love, I love, I love Welsh. I speak a little bit of Welsh and I read medieval Welsh actually, fun fact about me. Um, but, uh, oh my God, I need to check this out. Thank you for the recommendation. And it's created by Kerry Pritchard McLean, which makes it even better. Oh, I love Kerry. Kerry is so funny. Oh my God, I must, yeah. Okay, thank you for the recommendation. It, it, it's amazing. And, um, and, and I'll, I'll end it on a fact, um, which, probably is relevant up to because most of it's filmed in Cardiff but the government um probably I, th I don't know whether the government funded this directly but the government um have got a sector in Wales where they're trying to not let the language die they're trying to save it as much as possible so I think I think if I'm if I'm right in remembering I think the learners was only made to make it so that people can can learn the web about the Welsh language whilst having a good time, whilst having the woman that, that played Barbara Nice on Britain Got Talent in it, because why not? Mm -hmm. uh, but it is, it, is, it is amazing and it airs currently, series two is airing Monday nights and the whole of uh, Doctor Redacted is available on the BBC Sounds. And if we kick up 
more of a fuss. It'll be on CD soon. Now, the final thing for us to do here is for you to promote uh, where people can see you other than here. Don't give out your home address. We <laughs> all know that at this point. But where can they see you on an online capacity or if you're anywhere in person where you're allowed people to come and find you? Yes, yes. So um, I am... Um... Gosh, you can find me on social media at G-E-J Watts on Instagram and Twitter, where I post about my work and where I'm going to be. Um, I am planning to go to the uh, Doctor Who uh, exhibition in Liverpool uh, pretty soon. I will probably post on social media when I do, but if you want to come say hi, I'll wear my redacted t-shirt so you can find me. Um, and as I mentioned, I'll also be at Comic-Con in London at MCM Comic-Con um, this awesome. And again, I'll be wearing my redacted t-shirt, just chilling out. I'm not working, but I will be wearing wearing my t-shirt if you want to come say hi if you enjoyed Redacted. Um, other than that, if you want to check out my work, uh, I am currently producing a sci-fi audio drama that is going to come out this autumn as well called Eliza. It's for Crowd Network. It is a feminist drama about a robot called Eliza. Um, it's also about domestic violence and abuse. Uh, and I think it's going to be really good. It's going to be quite heavy, but I think it's going to be good. Um, I'm also a voice director for a video game app and uh, fitness and immersive audio drama kind of thing called Zombies Run. Uh, it's a free app and you can download it. And when you listen to it, you basically go for a run. And as you run, you hear someone radioing into you and you start to learn about all these different characters who all talk to each other and you're in the zombie apocalypse and they're like hello runner five we need you to go and get some supplies for us oh watch out there's some zombies coming behind you okay you're gonna need to go a bit faster now oh no you're, you're good don't worry about it um and you get this like amazing story that kind of unfolds as you listen and i'm a voice director there um where i'm currently working on a very exciting big new sci-fi drama project for them that is going to be coming out uh soon-ish um which is like involves like telepathy and aliens it's very cool um so yeah check out zombies run as well where i'm a voice director uh but yeah voice uh zombies run um and then uh eliza which is coming out this autumn uh and then if you want to find me in person the uh doctor who i think it's called worlds of wonder exhibition in liverpool i'll post on social media when i'm going to go there and comic-con um in london this autumn and if you want to find me on social media at gej watts on instagram and twitter wow that's that zombies run sounds really interesting because uh, it gets people into fitness yeah no it's it's really good i actually listened to it like, so it started 10 years ago um, and I listened to it way before they ever had a job listing. And when they put up that they had a job going, I was like, oh my God. Um, and so I got in touch. It's, it's uh, written by a team of writers led by Naomi Oldman, who's the one who wrote The Power. Um, and it's a really great sci-fi writer. Um, I would recommend it. Yeah, well, it, it remind, that reminds me a lot of, of na the, the thing that now no longer works. It's that Doctor Who gun app thing where you got the gun and and you plug your phone into it and they had and you had to look around and shoot the the uh weeping angels that are near you and you have to run run around your house shooting. I mean, speaking of games, like did you ever play that PC game that they had that was free online with the Vasha Dorado where you were on like an Arctic station that had oh, been yeah. Yeah. yeah oh my god that was so good that was one of the first video games i ever played um <laughs> oh i got so scared though i would get so scared of the version around it um yeah anyway sorry <laughs> what, what am i we'll, we'll say this and we'll end because we're just gonna wish on now one of my favorite doctor who games that if you look hard enough you'll find is that david tennant interactive story where they have um we have to work out which family member at this christmas party is really evil and it and it and it's one where it's like David Tennant saying, "Which one are you going to click?" And then you 
choose and you it's like watching an episode but you interact with it. and it's that um that small creature oh i don't know what it's the creature that appears many times in sarah jane adventures and it's got the it, it was blue in one episode and, and, he, and he can just zap you to another time with a little gun and the little oh paper. yeah and and he, and he's like nah, 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 nah. and it's like really angry and it just runs about a little bit and he's got like ears that dangle outwards that yeah, 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 yeah. No, I remember him. I don't yeah. I have no idea what he's called. I, I don't know what he's called, but it's it, it, part that's part of the game and, and you go to like where where the episode of the next is set and you work out that that child's got red going eyes because he's evil, so you need to watch out and you watch this family open open Christmas presents. And so you could be playing the game in the middle of June and watching and watching them open Christmas presents. Because it, it, it was like an interactive story game, but it's more of the story rather than the game element. But you just I have to like, select who's, who's your... Is it the grandma? Is it the brother? Is it the mother? Or is it the dad that's been sat there the entire time and hasn't moved his bum? And, and, and it, was a, it was an amazing game. And you can still find, if you look hard enough, you can still find it because the old BBC website that has all the old Doctor Who games on it is still on the internet if you look hard enough. And and this, this is the BBC bite size Sarah Jane science game. That's on uh that's out there somewhere. Yes. Oh, thank you for these recommendations. <laughs> and so we we end the episode there. What's next on the Tom Mason YouTube for all you YouTube watchers out there? Uh, next we have some exciting stuff so if you've been actually paying attention to the playlist that's called the secret project that's no longer a secret because it's been announced several different times uh that'll be out soon we're currently still working on the second series of the sitcom um the misadventures of albert flowerpot over on tom's comedy club so that will happen so the multiverse of of random all three of the projects that are uh, uh, announced within the one project, so it's like the, the main thing and the spin-offs, will all come out round about a similar time um, I will be cracking on with that soon because uh, when I said I had three months for summer, that's going really quickly, um, summer doesn't last long so I've got to get all that done and then there'll be more nonsense on all the other channels, uh, there'll be more nonsense drone flying, more nonsense me whispering on about bananas even though I don't eat them um, There'll be, there'll be more nonsense from me and you'll expect bigger laughs, bigger jokes and more celebrities as as we interview people about all sorts because uh, I've got the charm and charisma of a 12-year-old, even though I'm not 12. But we shall leave it there. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. Sorry to Spotify users for no visuals. SoundCloud hasn't updated anyway. You can add video to the thing yet. Uh, hope you all enjoyed the video and hope and remember just remember uh and thank you guys for watching come on to mount bye